morning. Good morning to our viewers online as well. We are closing out our Tough Questions series today. Uh, next, week, next week, we'll be starting a new nine-week sermon series uh, on the Gospel of Mark called Mark Surprising Insights from Jesus. The question we'll be answering today is, what is heaven and how can I be sure I'm going there? So almost everyone wants to know about heaven, and of course, they want to go there, right? Um, according to a recent poll, uh, 80% of all Americans believe that there is a place called heaven. Um, and I, th I think this is because in this skeptical age that we live in, uh, there's something deep in the human heart um, that says there's got to be something more than this, right? Something more than the pain and the suffering uh, in this life. Um, something more than just being born and living and dying and then being buried in the ground, right? Um, in Life Church 101, I talk about um, a God-shaped hole uh, being inside every human heart. Um, I think, too, that there's a heaven-shaped hole uh, in every human heart, a sense that we were made for something more than this life, a sense that we were made to live forever somewhere. We were made for heaven. Um, not only do most Americans believe in heaven, um, if the stats are right, most of them expect to go there when they die. Um, if we went down to the cities with a video camera, um, started asking people on the streets, um, do you think you will go to heaven when you die? Uh, most of them would probably say, um, I think so, or I hope so. Um, not a lot of them would say that they aren't going to heaven. Um, so we're talking about heaven today. I think it's important when we talk um, about living somewhere forever, um, it'd be helpful to know what that place is like. Um, it'd be helpful to know, like, for sure, how to get there. Because um, if we end up being wrong about heaven and how to get there, uh, we're going to have to live with that for a very long time. So what we usually think about when we hear the word heaven uh, is what theologians call the intermediate heaven. Um, it's where followers of Jesus go when they die. Um, it's a place they'll live until their bodies are resurrected. Um, followers of Jesus who have already died are now in this intermediate heaven. Um, this is a place without suffering, uh, but it's not the place that we will live forever. Um, our eternal home, where God will come to dwell with his people, is called the new earth. Um, since heaven, by definition, is where God dwells, um, the fact that he will come to dwell with his followers on the new earth will make it synonymous with heaven. Um, sometimes we think of heaven as, as like leaving the earth and ascending like into the angelic realm to, to like live with God where he's at now. But the Bible says in Revelation that God will come down from his place to live with us in our place, the new earth. Uh, Emmanuel, 
It's one of the names for Christ. Uh, doesn't mean us with God. It means God with us. Um, where will he be with us? On the new earth. Um, you've heard people say, this world isn't my home. That's only half true. It's more accurate to say this world, the earth as it is right now, is under a curse. This isn't our home. Um, it was our home before sin and the curse, and it will one day again be our home once it's delivered from sin and the curse. In the intermediate heaven, uh, we will be with Christ and will be full of joy, uh, but it won't be our permanent home. Um, we will be looking forward to our bodily resurrection and living on the new earth. So this idea that we will be these like disembodied spirits um, is more Gnostic in origin than it is biblical. Uh, it's more of a, like a Greek or Platonic idea than a biblical one. Okay? Scripture says that there will be a resurrection. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 20. He says, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. And that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So on the new earth, we are told uh, that in Revelation 22.3, it says, No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. So God is the sovereign ruler, and Satan and all his minions will be eternally dethroned. Um, the Lord's Prayer, which has probably been prayed billions of times um, over the centuries, will finally be answered. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Formerly righteous people... Um, enthroned by God to reign over the earth, but then dethroned by their own sin and Satan will be re-enthroned forever with God. Revelation 22.5 says, and they will reign forever and ever. God's people will reign with him on the earth forever. Uh, as the angel said to Daniel in Daniel 7.18, he said, in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom, and they will rule forever and ever. Christ will be the unchallenged, absolute ruler of the universe. Um, and then he will, turn, uh, he will turn over to his Father 
the kingdom that he has won. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 28, then when all things are under his authority, the son who will put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything everywhere. So according to the Bible, God's people will reign over the resurrected universe centered on a resurrected earth with a resurrected Jerusalem as its capital city. Um, If you read Revelation chapters 21, 22, and elsewhere throughout uh, Scripture, you will see that we will eat, we will drink, um, we'll work, worship, learn, travel, uh, we'll experience many of the things that we experience now. Also in Revelation 21, um, there are references there to uh, various nations on the new earth, which suggests that um, civilizations will be resurrected, right? Like different cultures, different ethnic traits. Um, You remember that phrase, every tribe, tongue, and nation, right? Will be worshiping, right? before the throne of God. A great river will flow through the city, and in the middle of the city uh, will be the tree of life, right? And we will eat like a variety of fruits from this tree. It says it in uh, Revelation 22, 1 and 2. It says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. So God chose uh, not only to make physical humans to live on a physical earth, um, but he chose to become a physical man himself on that very same earth. Um, He did this, of course, to redeem mankind and the earth, um, but also to forever enjoy the company of human beings in a world made for them, Um, a world called the new earth. Uh, Isaiah 65, 17 says, look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Isaiah 66, says, As surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people, with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. So this is the world that we're looking forward to. Uh, 2 Peter 3.13 says, But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. We've never known an earth without sin, without suffering, without death, and we yearn for it. Um, God tells us that the world we and all of creation yearns for will one day be ours to live in forever. Romans 8, 19 through 23 says, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay, 
For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. And just to be clear, um, heaven, right, the new earth, will be an actual place. Um, Jesus told his disciples, he said, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So he uses spatial terms to describe heaven. Um, it is an actual place, right? This is, uh, this is all part of our longing um, for the resurrection of the dead, which is at the core of our faith, right? Jesus said this to his disciples um, in Matthew 19, 28. He said, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So he could have said when the world is destroyed, but he said when the world is made new. Peter preached this in Acts 3. He said, for Christ must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. So Jesus is going to make all things new. Resurrection, restoration, renewal. So what will heaven be like? Um, we're told in scripture that heaven is a city. Um, Hebrews 11.10 says, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So cities have people, they have buildings, um, they have different kinds of like, activities and gatherings. Um, they have art, they have music, they have sports, they have places to eat. Um, we also know that, uh, we, we know what the earth is like right now, right? And so we can have some idea uh, of what the new earth will be like. Rivers. Mountains, trees, flowers. Um, I can't imagine the new earth, uh, what, it, what it would be like without these things. Just better, right? Uh, the new earth will be God's dwelling place, but it will also be created by God for resurrected people to live there. Um, what will we look like in heaven? Um, Jesus had a physically resurrected body that allowed him to walk, to talk, to eat. Um, scriptures, scriptures say that our bodies will be like his. So here, here are some examples. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 48 and 49 says, Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. And then Philippians 3.21 says, 
He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. And then lastly, 1 John 3, 2 says, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. So after his resurrection, uh, Jesus invited his disciples to touch him. Um, He said in Luke 24, he said, look at my hands, look at my feet. Um, You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. So Christ's physically resurrected body um, is the model for our resurrected bodies on a resurrected earth. Um, After our resurrection, we won't be ghosts, uh, we won't be uh, disembodied spirits kind of floating around, we won't be angels. Um, We will be physical human beings. Uh, When God talks about having new bodies, um, I don't think we have a hard time imagining imagining that, right? Um, We know what a body is. We've had one like our whole lives. Um, And most of us can remember like when it looked better and felt better, right? Um, We can imagine a new body uh, without pain, without weakness, without sickness or aging. Um, If you are over 30, you are not past your peak. Your peak is coming. Uh, We will be raised to new life in a new body on a new earth, and it will all be beyond our wildest dreams. Right? Think about this. Christ is a carpenter. Pretty sure he didn't stop woodworking in heaven. He's still a carpenter. Um, He has still got mad carpentry skills. Pretty sure of that. Okay? Carpenters not only create things, they fix things. Um, Do our bodies and our minds need fixing? He's going to fix us. Okay? He is actually going to fix the whole universe. Okay? So what will we do in heaven? Um, At death, Scripture says, the human spirit leaves the body. Right? Ecclesiastes 12.7 says... For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Uh, We will either go to heaven or we will go to hell. We see that in the story of Lazarus. Uh, We see that when Christ says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, Both in the intermediate heaven and in the new earth, it's pretty clear um, that we will find our greatest pleasure in God himself and we will worship him. Um, We see that all throughout Revelation. Also, uh, as I've said already, God has decided that we're actually going to help him run the universe. Um, That's the implication of the parable of the 10 servants. That's in Matthew 25. It says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. 
Uh, we will reign with Christ over the new earth where we will exercise leadership, authority. Um, we will make important decisions. We will have specific responsibilities that the Lord gives to us. God, as you know, is a creating God. Um, it is who he is. Pretty sure he's not done creating. We tend to think in very limiting terms. We tend to think static terms. But God, I'm sure, is not done creating. So imagine new species, new worlds, new cultures. Um, and we are created in his image, right? So mankind will continue to create new art, new music, new literature, uh, new discoveries, new adventures, new explorations, new ministries, new expressions of God's kingdom. Um, think about your best work day, um, like when everything turned out better than you planned, um, when everything was done on time, um, if you were part of a team, like everybody on the team just pulled together, each person was just like fully utilizing their giftings, like all in concert with one another, like a well-tuned orchestra, right? And the people who, like the recipients of the work that you were the thing you were working on, they felt blessed. They were thankful for all of your hard work. Like that is just a foretaste of the joy our work will bring us in heaven. So we will work and it'll be awesome. In heaven, we'll also rest. Uh, Revelation 14, 13 says, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they are blessed indeed for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds follow them. So no overworking in heaven. So what will our relationship with God be like? Uh, I mentioned last week that if we saw God's face like today, we would die. Um, he is so holy and we are so sinful. But Revelation 22.4 says... And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. That means that something radical must have happened to us by then. Um, by then, we will be fully righteous in Christ, standing in our resurrected bodies and untainted by sin. And we will finally be able to see the face of God and live. Um, to see God will be our greatest joy. Um, not only will we see his face and live, um, we'll probably wonder how we could have lived without seeing his face. Matthew 5, 8 says, and you know this one, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. To look into God's eyes uh, will be to see what we've always longed to see. Like the person who made us and for whom we were made. Um, seeing God will be like seeing everything else for the first time. Um, we'll discover that seeing God is our greatest joy and the essence of life itself. Um, as we behold the face of God, we'll finally 
see ourselves and everyone else through his eyes. Um, We will see his breathtaking beauty in everything and everyone around us. Um, So what won't be in heaven? Obviously, no illness, no suffering, no death. So uh, probably no doctors, no nurses, no anesthesiologists, no pathologists. No nursing homes, no funeral homes, no psychiatric wards, no violence, so no police, no lawyers, no judges. Jesus is the only judge we need, right? No addictions, so no 12-step programs, no rehab centers, no fear, no worry, no anxiety, no depression, uh, no accidents, no unemployment, no financial worries, no insurance policies, no miscommunication, no conflict resolution, no gossip, no anger, no lust, no hurt feelings, no con men, no locks on our doors, no lying, no stealing, no jealousy, no hidden agendas, no manipulation, no betrayals, no arthritis, no handicaps, no cancer, no COVID. (laughs) No spam email, (laughs) no computers crashing, no boredom, no bills, no taxes. (laughs) Uh, I suspect there won't be churches in heaven because they won't be necessary. Like, we won't need to be drawn into God's presence. We will live there constantly, right? We will thank God. We will worship him. Uh, We will praise him individually. We will praise him all together, whether we're working, whether we're cooking, whether we're singing, whether we're riding a motorcycle. Pretty sure there are motorcycles in heaven. And since there's no fear, There's no accidents in heaven. All of you will be riding with me. Uh, And there will be no sub-zero temperatures, so we can ride all year long. (laughs) All right. How can we be sure that we're going there, going to heaven? So a Barna poll uh, shows that for every one American who believes they're going to hell, uh, there are 120 who believe they're going to heaven. Um, Yet Jesus said otherwise. Uh, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So heaven is not our default destination. No one goes there automatically. Um, Unless our sin problem is dealt with, when we die, the only place we can go is hell. I mentioned last week that Jesus talked more about hell 
uh, than anyone else in the Bible. He referred to it, uh, just like heaven, as a, it is a real place. Christ says uh, in Matthew 8, 12, he says, the unsaved will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So is it possible to be absolutely sure that we're going to heaven? The Apostle John said in uh, 1 John 5, 12 and 13, he said, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. So we can know for sure uh, that we'll go to heaven when we die. And here's how. Uh, The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned, uh, we we all fall short of God's glorious standard. I stumbled on that because I memorized it in NIV, but I'm using a different translation here. Uh, sin separates us from having a relationship with God, right? Um, sin has created this wide chasm, this huge gulf uh, between us and God, and there is nothing that we on our own can do to cross that gap. Um, sin also deceives us. Uh, And it makes us think that wrong is right and right is wrong. It makes us think that we're okay when we're really not. Um, Sin has terrible consequences. But God has provided a solution. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loved us so much that he poured his infinite self into finite flesh. He became a man in order to deliver us from our sin. He came to identify with us in our humanity and our weakness, and he did so without being tainted at all with sin. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins the penalty demanded by the absolute holiness of God. On the cross, Jesus took upon himself the hell that we deserve, right? We all deserve it, in order to purchase for us the heaven that we don't deserve. On the third day after his crucifixion, Jesus Christ rose from the grave, defeating sin, conquering death, and when Christ died on the cross for us, he said, it is finished. So the Greek word there translated where it says it is finished uh, was commonly written across certificates of debt when they were canceled. It meant paid in full. Christ died so that the certificate of debt, like consisting of all of our sins, could once and, all, once and for all be marked paid in full. Uh, only when our sins are dealt with in Christ can we enter heaven. We can't get there ourselves. Jesus said, no one can come to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else. 
God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Right? Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection is the bridge that crosses that chasm that separates us from God. Because of Jesus Christ's atonement for our sins, God freely offers us his forgiveness. Psalm 103, verses 10, and 12, 10 through 12 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So to be forgiven, um, we have to recognize and repent of our sins. Proverbs 28, 13 says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Forgiveness isn't automatic. Uh, we have to actually confess them to the Lord. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? Revelation 22, 17 says, Christ offers to everyone the gift of forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. There is no righteous deed that we can do that will earn us a place in this thing I'm talking about this morning called heaven, okay? Titus 3.5 says, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. Every one of us comes to Christ empty-handed. None of us can take credit for our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, right? This gift can't be worked for, it can't be earned, uh, it cannot be achieved. It is not dependent on our merit, it is not dependent on our effort, um, but solely on Christ's generous sacrifice on our behalf. We can be sure that we are going to heaven when we make things right with God. We can do this by confessing our sinfulness, by accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross on our behalf. Right? You were made for a person and for a place. Jesus is that person, heaven is that place. Right? They're a package. They come together. Okay? You can't get heaven without Jesus or Jesus without heaven. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. If you call upon Christ now to save you, um, you will have 
all eternity in the new heaven, the new earth, to be glad that you did. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, when Adam and Eve sinned, you could have, you could have just wiped them out and started over, but you didn't. You are a God who's committed to restoration and resurrection and renewal. Um, we can't even begin to imagine the depth of your sacrificial love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you created us to be eternally in Christ, eternally in heaven. Lord, if there's anyone listening to me right now who hasn't made a decision for Christ, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray the conviction of God would come over them and they would be moved to come forward at the end of the service this morning and let us pray with them the prayer that leads to salvation. For you have given no other name under heaven by which we can be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we know we live in between the times of your first and second coming. Um, God, we see evidence of the inbreaking of your future kingdom into the present. We also still see pain and suffering and death. Lord, we pray once more uh, that prayer you taught us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.